0: Welcome to My Life Chassidus Applied, episode 350, a special Chav Ches Nissen edition. This program is dedicated in memory of Anne Klondert. 30 years ago, from yesterday, the 28th of Nissen, the year was 5751, Tav Shenu 1991, Several days after Pesach, the Rebbe delivered a dramatic and impassioned plea, which was just a few minutes long. The plea, saying that I did everything I can do to bring Mashiach, the only thing left for me to do is to give it to you. Do everything you can to talshvosir kant. If there'd be 10 of you that would be stubborn and cry out with an emes, Ad Masai, how much longer the Sheikh for sure would come? And then at the end of the words, the Rebbe said, may it be that at least one, two, or three of you should discuss. What to do and how to do in bringing Mashiach. At the time, it left a very powerful impact, and continues—you can even say—haunt Chassidim and anyone that heard those words. They were very strong. The Rebbe spoke in terms that we didn't usually hear. He even said words like, "Everything I did, just to naught," because Bapreil Mashiach didn't come. It's 30 years later now. Mashiach is still not here in the sense that we need and want. We're not talking about spiritually or conceptually, but a world that's transformed, as the Rambam says, and everything that Mashiach and Geula represent. So what is it that the Rebbe said? What does he want from us? And what can we do that we haven't done till now? And to be malamat and find merit in everything that people who are committed to the Rebbe have done. Much work has been done. There are thousands of the Rebbe's shluchim, emissaries, ambassadors around the world. Thousands upon ten thousands of more that are doing work learning Chassidus speaking to other Jews and non Jews about improving their lives, following God's laws, Tayram mitzvahs for Eden, Sheva mitzvahs for the Larger world, and yet the job wasn't done. So a skeptic can say, okay, look, if 30 years didn't happen, what's going to happen now that's different? So I thought it appropriate that dedicating this program entirely to this topic, the ultimate application of chassidus, is that Chassidus brings what the Mashiach told the Baal that when you'll spread Chassidus, the wellsprings, outward, that will be the time when Osema Dom Mashiach and Mashiach will come. So this program, the ultimate application, is obviously each one of us be permeated with the God's mission and the divine purpose for which we were created, but the ultimate purpose of it all is that it comes to fruition in a transformation of ourselves and of the world around us. So though I've discussed this theme many times, many people have spoken about it, but still, until the job is not done, clearly there's more to say and more to do, above all, more to do. So I also have many, many questions that have come in over the years but especially of late. So I will address and try to separate, divide this program into two parts. One is talk about 28th of Nis and Nisan and the context of our role and responsibility. And number two, part of that responsibility, of course, is to learn and absorb and live Mashiach. So the second part discuss what will be when Mashiach comes. So let's begin with the first part. For anything to be real and viable, it has to be relevant. Unfortunately, and there can be many reasons that we can explain it, Mashiach. as much as is talked about, when you ask someone a simple question and say, how relevant is it to your life? How necessary is it? Do we, one, do we lose one second of sleep? Michelle doesn't come. It's going to be hard, we're going to be hard-pressed to find anyone that will answer in a positive way to any of the above. Not because people are not good people, but because we're so accustomed to the life which we live right now, and especially to the comforts. It's one thing if we were all desperate and very hard, difficult, how you see as it was in the past. You're living through a Holocaust, you're living through a Stalin... You're living through programs. So obviously, life is terrible for you and your family, your children, for your communities. So of course we cry out then, please, end the suffering. Mashiach is the obvious place to turn to for salvation, for redemption. But when you, f- when you don't feel that type of urgency and need, it's just human nature that we're not driven quite the same way. Now, I'm not saying this to depress or in any way validate such an attitude, but to solve a problem, you have to know the problem, to so be aware of the problem. The strong words of the Bal Tov that the Rebbe would cite often, also in context of the aster a double concealment. It conceals The very fact that it's concealed, and you don't think there's a concealment. It's one thing when you know you're missing something. What happens if you don't feel you're missing something? So the concealment is a double one, but it's not just double in quantity. In quality, it's total denial. And therefore, there's nothing pressing, and nothing urgent pushing us in that direction. Comes a Rebbe, which is the role of a Rebbe, to wake us up and say one second. You're in a dream. Gaulis is like a dream. You're asleep. You're asleep and you feel that you're awake because your life is working, relatively speaking. We're living in comfortable times. Despite the fact, yes, we have our challenges, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis and other personal challenges we all have, but overall, it's a far more comfortable life and we've gotten used to it. It's vital to know that this itself is the challenge. How do we at least become aware that there's a concealment? In the classic words of the Rebbe, tu that the child is seeking the father that's hidden himself. The example given for Golas that God hides himself in order to elicit and evoke our passionate search for him. What happens if the child stops looking because the father has concealed himself so well? Zunte gesucht. Mant gesucht. Sunday the child is seeking. Monday he's seeking. What do you want from the child? The Taina, the Rebbe said, the Taina, our argument is to God. How much and how deep can this concealment be? And yet the Rebbe says, I'm giving it over to you. Do everything you can. So the first point is relevance. The second point is that it means you. You know, you could say it's relevant, but I'm who am I? I'm a nobody. With that attitude, everybody can pass the buck to someone else. So in the words that really let the Chav listen four years earlier, Tav Shemem Zayim Purim, the Rebbe said, Almost the same words, but then it was not in a dramatic few minutes. It was within a long fabrengen. That the only way to explain why the Gula didn't come, because it went over from the hanasi to akel to you. That each individual person has to carry the responsibility in the words of the Rambam. That through Maise Echod, one action, one word, one thought, you can tip the scales and bring redemption to yourself and to the entire world. So it has to be personal that it means you, as a Rebbe is speaking to you. If we had those two things in place, the profound relevance and the personalization, that's when people begin to move and act. So this is not meant to be in any form of critique. It's meant to just identify, look at myself as well. It meant to diagnose now, of course, if somebody is already completely passionate in it and doing, so then they're fulfilling, at least they're trying to fulfill what the Rebbe said. But since 30 years have passed, we have to make a chesh ben sadik, a chesh ben an nefesh. We have to have accountability. Accountability goes hand in hand with personal responsibility and the relevance that I mentioned. So then you'll say, okay, fine, let's say I have that, but what do I do next? So firstly, if you had that, you'd be using your mind over time and bringing people on board and talking to others and not resting one moment. Just like we don't rest when we need something in our own homes or at work or in any area of our lives that we feel that there's an absolute need. So then how do we get that type of inspiration? One of the ways is by talking about it. So I will talk about suggestions, but I think it's critical to know you can have all the great suggestions, but if people around the table who are hearing these suggestions are not in that place, they have other priorities. So the suggestions may be, be some some may be adopted, but if you want true adoption, true change, it has to be adopted in a way that's internalized and consistent. So we'll talk about that as well. But I felt most important to begin with the most important aspect of it all. And the fact that 30 years have passed and it hasn't happened yet, does not mean anything, frankly. Because it still does have to happen. It's 30 years closer to Mashiach. Yes, the harder. that voice inside of us will say, well, the, the cynic will say, 30 years, what do you think you're gonna do now? But that's not a voice coming from the, a healthy place. That's a voice of resignation, of dismissal, of apathy, kalkite, indifference. So of course 30 years is a painful statement that it took 30 years since that statement and, and the shift hasn't happened. But nevertheless, that does not change. A person who's driven and committed and knows what the Rebbe's words are forever will not be perturbed by that. That's, or at least that's what we have to work on to make sure that it doesn't affect us. So with that, let me be- address a few questions. Some of them are questions that are somewhat painful to be honest, reading them. But people have them. their p- questions on people's minds. And as I've always done in this program, be honest and candid and blunt. And it's important to address questions. You can't just bury them if you don't like them or you feel they're disrespectful. So I'll try to couch those that are in that sense in a way that don't come across as irreverent or disrespectful, but still important to address. And then try to suggest what things that we could do. So first question is one that I've heard many, many times, which goes right to the need. Why do we need Mashiach? Hi, Rabbi Jacobson. We're in the Pent- Pentateuch, in the Torah, does it mention the concept of Mashiach. Why do we need to have a Mashiach? If we, refi- if we refine the physical world by doing our part and observing the mitzvahs, then we can accomplish uh, God's goal of having a diri a home in this lowest of worlds for the divine. Can't, can't we still accomplish that without Mashiach? So this may sound like a klotz kasha, a very obvious question. Some may say it's not even a question if you know the first basics of Mashiach, you wouldn't ask such a question. But this question, interestingly, people have. This alone shows you the dissonance. It's a misunderstanding of what Mashiach is. Because if you know what Mashiach is, that's exactly what Mashiach is. The fruition, the realization of this purpose, that if we refine the physical world by doing our part and observing the mitzvahs and refine ourselves and those around us, and make a deer, him, That is mashiach equals mashiach. What do you think mashiach is? It's not just some side event or side party. It's a direct result of that. In the words of the al Rebbe in chapter 37 in Tanya, al Rebbe says that he the revelation of the divine in this world, as he explains in chapter 36 that we had a taste of it by Matan Teda, that the world recognizes its purpose, its creator, like a machine following the guidelines of its engineer, of its cosmic engineer, says, that is totally, because our actions are not disconnected from the result. Our actions, which are, we do what? Every mitzvah reveals divine, divinity and God's purpose in creation. You take a piece of food and make a blessing on it. You do a good deed. And so on. That is a piece of revealing the divine and therefore it's indirectly interconnected because when all that is done and it accumulates, you have the divine revelation in the world around us. So think of thousands of years of people committed to that. Each individual in their own way accumulates into an eruption of the divine revelation, So our actions and behaving a certain way is directly connected. Not just do something and this is this reward. The doing is the reward is a is the same thing as the doing, is a is not a byproduct but a direct continuation. So every mitzvah we do, think of it like a building block. A small little revelation has entered into this world every time you make a choice. That one action, a good deed, a kind gesture, that one beautiful word that you say, that appropriate thought, all releases an energy. It's like a building block. And those building blocks directly equals Mashiach. So in a way, you could say, you're revealing the Mashiach within you, the Geula within you, and then accumulatively, it affects and impacts the entire world. So why do we need Mashiach? Mashiach is, in other words, the realization of the completion and fulfillment of, each, of the purpose of each one of us and of all of us together. That's not just a need. It's the essence of everything. It would be like someone saying, I invested in a business or I invested in some activity and it didn't end up the place we wanted it to be. So the Iker Chasim and Assef, the bottom line is missing. In simple terms, in the words of the Rambah, Mashiach comes, there'll be no more famine and no more avarice, no more war, no more hunger. Well, famine, I said famine. No more jealousy. Because the world will be filled with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. In the words of Yeshayah Hanovi. The entire business of the world will be to know the divine. Which means to see the divine and recognize it and know it in everything we do. The divine is not some side thing. The divine is the very essence of it. It's like saying, you have not fulfilled what you're capable of. You're distracted. So Mashiach is the fulfillment of your total potential and purpose of life. Now that... It's not just relevant, it changes everything if we actually felt that. So how do we come to understand that? We need to study, we need to learn. Because many of us are doing things that we think is the mission of our lives and it's not necessarily, it maybe the means, but not the end. So studying about Mashiach and Gula comes to make it relevant. That it's not just some fantasy or some, as I said, some reward at the end of the journey. It is the fulfillment of the journey. And the journey is all a piece of this larger geula and mashiach. When I say mashiach and geula, geula is the event. And mashiach is the individual that leads and inspires us and guides us toward that event. But remember, based on what I just said, it's not just an event, it's a process. It's a process. And you and I, are a critical component in the unfolding drama of this process. Because it's our actions and our words and our our thoughts that make it happen. From the beginning of time. But now, what has changed? Now we're at the end, at the finish line. After all these years, the Rebbe is saying, we have now come to the point that we need one more thing. When I say one, I don't mean one necessarily, one thing. We need that fi- the final steps to tip the scales. So that is question number one. So now, a question then is the compelling sense of the timing of it. How now are we supposed to believe that Mashiach is coming? Why now more than ever? Well, first of all, the Rebbe's words through those years, especially in the end of 1989, 1990, 1991, 1992, that we have finished the Birurim, we have finished the refinements necessary. To bring the Gu'ula. So that alone is enough that the Rebbe said so. But the Rebbe didn't just say so. He said, if you open your eyes, and all we need is to open our eyes, you look around, you'll see events in the world that all indicate. At that time, there was the fall of the Soviet Union, there was the Persian Gulf War. But overall, and over the years, the Rebbe explained that the advent and the explosion of technology revolutions in the area of politics and human rights and freedoms, especially benefiting Jewish people, the Jewish people. And many other trends that have only accelerated are all indicators that were at the threshold. That too needs to be studied because you can look at it all and say either it's random or dismiss it but when you connect the dots, you see a pattern emerging. The historical pattern of a world becoming more and more refined, to come, traveling more towards unity, communications, tra- the, the, the technology, as I mentioned. Because of limits of time, I'm not going to go through all of that, just key highlights. So now is more than ever the opportune time for Mashiach to come which of course explains what the Rebbe said, Chav this why now I've done everything, the Rebbe's part, now it's up to us, because there are things we must do. Which leads us to the next question, and that is, so what did the Rebbe mean with the words, do all you can? So someone wrote an interesting letter to me, which I want to read. At least briefly, he writes: "Erev Chav Ches thoughts. Thirty years, ten to the power of three. Quoting the Rebbe, and may it be the will that at the end there will there will be find itself ten Jews that will become stubborn and say that they must bring to fruition, accomplished by God, than it is as written in Scripture, a nation that is thick-necked and stubborn." and I will excuse our transgressions and our sins, and we will be forgiven, it is then a short thing that God will bring down the true and full redemption really immediately. And may it be the will that, they will find, that we will find between you, that there will be found between you nevertheless at least one, two, three, whom will, will, give, will give a suggestion what should be done and how it should be done. The quote I said earlier, and and furthermore, and above all, which is the primary thing, that it should be brought to fruition and it should be really immediate. With happiness and good-heartedness. That's the last words of that Sikha Chav Chesnis. So he writes, This is from the famous Sikha of the Chav and the Rebbe is clearly spelling out a plan of action, like any CEO does starting, does starting his organization by laying out the business plan. However, albeit this plan, it's very clear, which is very clear in terms. It is multi-layered in complexity, and objective. And I'd like to present an essay for you to read. A plan of action that a COO can read, follow, and implement, and hopefully the organization can execute the business plan. Goes on to talk about the ten people, and about the ten faculties that each of us have to actualize. It says like this, that there are different types of people. For example, you have a person that is a giver by nature. So by him is more prominent chesed. By someone else may be prominent, more prominent, a different feature. From the finite amount of people that the world is made up of, there are ten groups that it is formalized in. Within each group, there's a leader of that group. The ten leaders of the group, he says, is what the Rebbe is referring to. In other words, it's to galvanize leaders, influencers, and that they'll be stubborn and completely unwavering commitment to doing this. That's point number one. Then there are the one, two, three people, he says. These are the strategizers. And he compares them to Chachma Bin Adas. Conceiving of an idea and then implementing the idea. So, to begin the process, we need to find these three people. This is more or less what he says. Okay, I'm sharing it only because I've heard similar ideas, but what's missing is who's going to do this? Who's taking the responsibility? It's not just enough to give advice, even though the advice can be good. What I find that was lacking is that nobody feels that they are the head of this company. They feel the is the head, he gave it to us, we don't know what to do. Nobody has assumed the responsibility in that fullest sense of the word. So what I would like to say, and I've said this many times and I'll say it here very directly... There are two angles to this that is critical that each of us, uh, each of us assimilate into our beings. One is personal responsibility of what you as an individual can do. The second is responsibility for those around you. And both are vital. Let's start with the personal. The Rebbe's words, Purim Tavshem Emzayin, was quoting the Rambam. And now it's clear that we have to tell every individual. Now the Rambam was here from the beginning for, a thousand, for over a thousand years, but the compelling sense of urgency that each individual needs to know—that you are responsible, your action, your speech, your thought—can and will tip the scales. So number one is: How do you get people inspired to feel that responsibility? And what is the challenge here? Is it inspiration? Is it educational? Is it marketing? All the above. When you see this as the company, so to speak, we'll call it a company with a product, or words that the Rebbe used when he spoke to CNN, increasing in acts of goodness and kindness, then you have what you need. So what motivates people? This is what every business and every product and every part of this world is trying to figure out. And there are many people that have. So that's number one. Now do we have to wait for a whole strategy? No. Right now, as we speak, every individual has to take this to heart, to share this with their children, the personal responsibility of your actions and your behavior. The next step is your influence on others. And here, of course, there's differences. There's some people that are influences on their immediate sphere. That could be family, community, the place they work, the place they uh, study. Their network. And then those that have a far wider network that can reach more people that are influencers, teachers, educators, thought leaders. Every individual, based on what you are, needs to do both things. Your individual responsibility and your responsibility in influencing others. But you can't influence others if you don't know what it is that you're influencing. That's why it's critical that we all have a language, a sprach, what to say. So how, what, what can we say? So here's a little Lil mashir that each of us can implement. And this is one way to explain do everything you can. Obviously there are other ways. But I'm sharing something that I think everybody can relate to. The mindset we have, the goalless mindset we have, is as I said earlier, is we're pretty comfortable relatively speaking. And therefore, there's no real shakeup, no change. So there's a, there's a need for a different mindset and heartset. How we look at things, the lens we use. So I believe I've shared this, but I want to share it again. There's a beautiful letter from the Rebbe dated Yud Zayin Sivan, Toev Sivan, Tav, Sivin, Tav Shin Yud Aleph. First year of the Rebbe's official leadership, 70 years ago. We write to someone who owns the dry cleaners, that everything has a lesson in life, and tells them the lesson of dry cleaners briefly, that just like a garment gets soiled and dirty and so on, then you don't throw it out because you can clean it. By like giving it to cleaners, submerging it in water, warm water, and chemicals that take out the stains, and then put it under a heavy press. And you have here, presto, like a new garment, and you can do this many times. The same thing in the Nishamish and the Satabi the comes to this world pure. But then life, in many ways, soils and wrinkles the, body, the human being's the psyche and soul. So you could think, oh, you know, damaged goods. No. You submerge the soul in water in and warm water was and you add chemicals. mitzvah is another chemical that removes another stain from our lives, and then you put it under kabbalah sail, the yoke, responsibility, accountability to a higher, to a higher power, and that creates and refreshes the soul. So the lesson itself is beautiful. But I remember walking in my neighborhood and seeing dry cleaners. I never looked at the dry cleaners the same way again. Because the Rebbe taught us that everything is a lesson. So you in your life, whatever it is that you do, whether you're an accountant, a lawyer, a finance, a doctor, a scientist, computer engineering, a business person, marketing, whatever it may be, Look at it like with the dry cleaners. What does it teach me about God? What does it teach me about my life? What can I teach others with it? By doing that, even on one step, you've already revealed the divine within that activity, even though it's a mundane material activity. That means a taste of that the business of the world be, be, will be nothing but to know God. Not that we won't have business, but the business will be to know God. The cleaners will be to discover another insight. Doctors will teach us this through human anatomy and and human chemistry and biology. The scientists can teach us this through the cosmos. And each of us in our own particular area of life can learn how to do this. And we can teach our children to do this. Our children doing, let's say they're playing a little game. You give them a treat, go on a trip. They learn something in school. Always show the b'chol d'rachach the de'ya, es Hashem, in that thing. This is, each one of us can do this without major plans. And this is an actual taste, not just a mitzvah that leads to the ge'ula. This is a taste of ge'ula. Because the ge'ula means that the entire world will see everything in this fashion, in this way. So that's one practical thing that every one of us can do. Want to cover more material, so let's move on in the same subject matter. So then someone asked the question, if the Rebbe couldn't get it done, how can we? Well, the Rebbe said he did everything he can. As a leader, he taught us, he initiated programs, whether it's the camp Mitzvah, whether it's shlichus, whether it's the very union of spreading the Shev Mitzvahs and Geula, he did everything he can. But Dira bet dictates that has, something has to come from us. The Rebbe stated that already in, 19, in 1951. The and and bosom, don't deceive yourself into thinking, I'm going to do it all for you. There has to be something that comes from us. So this is not a question, if the Rebbe didn't do it, how could we do it? When the rabbi said to that woman that Sunday after Chavches Nusim by dollars, that if I'm the rabbi, if I'm the rabbi, then I'm saying you, you, you. That wasn't saying I I did what I have to do. What I could do. So this is not a replacement, which leads me to the next question about the question of failure. It's a question I hear very often, and that's why I feel I should address it. Regarding Chav was the Rebbe's message of, I have done everything I can, and now I turn it over to you, a public admission of failure on his part? And I add, God forbid? Or rather, was it God sending a message to the Rebbe that God doesn't want the Rebbe to bring Mashiach? He wants all of us to do something to participate. Neither of the two. The Rebbe is a Rebbe and a leader. And God forbid the is not even suggesting, he's abrogating his responsibility. He's saying that there are things that are responsible, the leader is responsible. If the eskashos would have been complete, that may have been enough, as he said, putting in Memzayin. Since it's not, something goes to each one of us that we must do. And that's why we're here. Now, I know people don't necessarily like responsibility, so they keep saying, let the Rebbe do it. But the Rebbe is telling us there is a responsibility that each of us has. So no, for, for failure. Chas v'shalom. The Rebbe gave his whole life to Yiddishkeit, says Snefesh for everything. The dedication to the previous Rabbein, all the way back to Moshe Rabbein, purpose of creation. The Rebbe would say failure. It's a process. The process continues. What has failed was that we didn't finish, we didn't cross the finish line. Compared to that, everything done is still to naught because it's not finished. It's like you finished 99% of the job, but we have to, but we need the bottom line. The Rebbe's message on Chav was very disheartening, another person writes. If the Rebbe was a brilliant and very holy tzaddik, and who definitely had the tools to bring Mashiach, but was unable to get the job done, then how are we supposed to accomplish bringing Mashiach as laymen with a more limited skill said than the Rebbe had? So the answer again, it's a partnership. It's not either or. What is our Rebbe Chessidim? What is Moshe Rabbeinu and the people? They each have their role. Moshe's role is to teach, to guide, to inspire to initiate, to get us going. This whole talk, even the fact that we're being told it's our responsibility, who's telling us this? It's coming from the Rebbe. We didn't come to it on our own. So that doesn't change. This is the mistake people are making, simplistically understanding the Rebbe, saying, I couldn't do it, so now you do it. That's not what he's saying at all. I did everything I can, and now I give it to you, the responsibility is either that only you can do or the things that we have to finish. The Rebbe, for example, did not go and travel all over the world in every corner of the earth. He sent Shluchim to do so. Shluchim Shaladim Kameise. So is that the Rebbe or the Shluchim? The answer is both. And I think it's vital to understand that. Another person writes Dear Rabbi Jacobson, my husband and I are subscribers to your My Life City Supplied weekly broadcast and enjoy watching together. You bring much light into our lives. My question is regarding your coverage of the Rebbe's talk regarding prophecy, and specifically the prophecy of Mashiach's imminent arrival in the seventh generation. I need to start off by saying I ask this question with sincerity and meaning no disrespect. I hope my question isn't too taboo to air publicly. My question is as follows. Being that Mashiach didn't come in the seventh generation, and the Rebbe said numerous times that he would, and the Rebbe further stated that it was a prophecy Why doesn't that make the Rebbe, I don't even want to say what she says right, but I will say, a false prophet, quote-unquote. God forbid. We learn clearly in this week's Torah portion that now if you say to yourself, how will we know the word that the Lord did not speak? If the prophet speaks in the name of the God and the thing does not occur and does not come about, that is the thing the God did not speak. The prophet has spoken it wantonly. You shall not be afraid of him. That's a quote from the Torah. We're also taught by Maimonides that this verse is specifically speaking about a positive prophecy, meaning that if a prophet relates a prophecy about future negative occurrences and they don't happen, it could be because the people repented. However, our verse is speaking about an unfulfilled prophecy about future positive occurrences. If they don't happen, it is a sign that it is not a true prophecy. So to recap, if the Rebbe was indeed giving prophecy that Mashiach would come in the seventh generation, why doesn't that make him a nut? Uh, authentic prophet. Again, I know this question sounds insolent, but it comes from an honest place I truly wish to learn. Thank you so much. And I read it because I believe that's correct and I know other people have this question. Mashiach's coming. God promised us Mashiach's going to come. So let's start with God. So why don't we say God promised. God is a false, uh, gave us a false message. Mashiach didn't come yet. Because he told us How? Like the Gemara says, You need to do something. The words of the altar Rebbe, The God didn't just say Mashiach is coming. Yes, there's is the issue at the end of 6,000 years. Maybe we'll get to that if we have the time. Mashiach, that's the deadline, so to speak. But the whole thing is tied to, that, why did God give us a Tehidah Mitzvah? Why did he put us on this earth? Of course, at the end, God decides, but it's directly independ- dependent on us. That's part of the process. So it's not just a prophecy that the Beis Amid is going to be destroyed. Even that, you could argue, is also dependent on us. Or prophecy that something, some event is going to happen, then it doesn't happen. Here, the prophecy is intertwined, especially in the words of 28th of Nisan, Chavches Nissan, in our actions. So my answer is the prophecy will be fulfilled. But we need to do something. You can't just stand on the sidelines and say, when is it going to happen? We need to do something. That's clear. And we, are com- we know confidently that God promised it, and God's prophets promised it, and that Rebbe promised it, and the Rebbe promised it. So I think the focus shouldn't be on the word prophecy per se, but on what we should be doing about it. That's the Rebbe's job. What the Rebbe said, he said. He said, I did what I had to do. We don't have to tell the Rebbe what he should be doing. I'm not worried about the Rebbe. We have to be worried about ourselves. So though your question is coming from a sincere place, but it's not about looking at the Rebbe. Look at yourself. What are you doing today and tomorrow? That's what I would tell you. And I hope you don't mind being being as candid as you were. Okay. Next. So with that, I'm just going through. Okay. So now the seventh generation of Mashiach. Here's the next series of questions. Hi Rabbi, Mashiach. So I'm not sure if you have been asked this several times, but we are, are we still the seventh generation? Will seventh generation ever end? How will we know? What is the difference between the Rebbe saying Mashiach is coming and the Tzemach Chedek saying that uh, the Tzemach Tzedek saying that Lukut the Teter was printed and that was, a, that, was, that was the Ketz of Tafresh Ches? Is it possible we misunderstood the Rebbe regarding Mashiach coming Thank you very much as I am seeking clarity. Another person writes, When does Deir Hashvi end? When the Rebbe was alive, we understood it to mean during his lifetime. After Gimel some understood it to mean as long as most people from Tav Yud are alive. 1950. Now 70 years is the life of a person. Is it fair to say that Deir Hashvi ends Tav Shem Pei? In uh, no, other words, last year? 1920 if not, and as long as there's no new Rebbe, it's still Deda Hashvir forever, then it turns out that the Rebbe saying Mashiach is coming in this generation is Chaz B'Shalom a joke because it can go forever. Please explain. Thank you. The Rebbe an Ishamiti, Miti, Meisha Tayras, is saying, not some ideas and thoughts that he had, he's saying what he knows to be a fact, that we're in the seventh generation, as he explained in the Mimur 70 years ago, 70 years ago, Yudshvat. Seventh generation from the the Alter Rebbe, even says in the Maimon, that's not up to us that we're the seventh generation. Not due to our avoidance, our choice. It may not even be what we wanted. But we are the seventh generation. That presents a responsibility. The focus is on responsibility. What I see in many questions, people keep analyzing what the Rebbe is saying instead of looking at yourself. A responsibility, and the Rebbe took that responsibility seriously. He accepted the Nisias, he assumed the leadership, and did everything he could, as he stated seventy, as he stated thirty years ago or forty years from tafshin Yud Aleph. Our boy interestingly, Chavchassnis and is forty years from tafshin Yud Now we're seventy years from tafshin Yud Maybe Ada Boy a in the Rebbe. 40 years. The point being is the Rebbe is telling us these facts. So to start an analysis, when does the seventh generation end? As long as we talk about it when the seventh generation, because we're impacted by the Rebbe. I don't know if anyone ever put a deadline on when the seventh generation ends. And the Rebbe is confident, based on Torah, based on what Hashem says, that Mashiach will come. We say it every day in Davinik, several times a day. Kol yim, Shuh kol to wait each day, we await that that day Mashiach will come. Now, we're all sincere about it, is another question, but that's what it says. So, I'm not sure why we're wondering whether this, is, whether this has been fulfilled, not fulfilled. There's a job to do, there's a job to be done. That's the only question that remains. Will you do it? And I believe when we, you, and I do it, we are that day, Rashvi. I can't answer the question. I was never, we were never told when this Deir HaShvi ends. Maybe it ends when Mashiach comes. Because that's where the purpose of the Deir HaShvi, to bring v'sherchanti b'seicham. Okay. I will cross-reference on this topic to episodes 22 and 23, 216, 292 and 294. You go to chassidahsupply.com you can find the archives of all these episodes. I will at the end cross-reference to many other because I've spoken about this topic many times over the past eight years, since we began, my life has it's supplied. Timing of Mashiach. What is the concept that if we don't earn Mashiach coming sooner, he will still automatically come at the year six thousand? Also, since we are taught that all the miracles that happened during Yitzchias Mitzrayim, the Exodus from Egypt, will repeat during the final Gula. Is it fair to say that since God ended Yitzhia's 190 years early, so a similar early ending of the final goal is applicable, which would change the automatic arrival of Mashiach from 6,000 to 5810, which is 30 years from now, unless of course we earn it earlier? Another question in this family: How can we believe that Mashiach can really come before the year 6,000? Dear Rabbi Jacobson, thank you so much. For your thought-provoking and inspiring classes, I've learned more this from your classes than from my, all my years in Lubavitch schools. My question is about the coming of Mashiach. Why should we believe that Mashiach will come before the year 6000 if Hashem has a plan of him coming then? I know the concept of which means coming in its time or coming before its time quicker. But if the generation that witnessed the miracles of Yitzit Mitzrayim and Mat and Tere, couldn't manage to keep more than one Shabbos and be unified, how can we believe that we can accomplish that? I know we're we're midgets, we're the midgets on the shoulders of giants, but the fact is that if Hashem is waiting for us to do our part, we're going to be waiting. How can we believe that Mashiach can really come before the year 6000? Again, and this is, I really sincerely respect and encourage questions, but I need to point out, all this question yet again, Not one mention of your personal responsibility, our personal responsibility. It's analyzing something as if it's not connected to me. Analyzing someone else's words. That's the most glaring thing that jumps out at me. But to answer the question, the whole purpose again of creation, why did God create a a world? Why did God create the human being? was not for God to bring Mashiach. That's a promise. And actually built into the system. The Gemara says, el, el The whole world was created for the purpose of its realization of its purpose. And who realizes it? Who fulfills it? The human being. Through Torah and Mitzvahs. It's, the, on, it's the, base, the bottom line of all of Yiddishkeit. Is that there's a partnership here. God provides, creates, gives us the plan, gives us the instructions. God's chosen leaders are those that pass it on to us, inspire us, are living role models and examples. But it's we that need to implement. <coughs> so it's not about, okay, 6,000 years pass, 2,000 years to you, 2,000 years to, to, to 2,000 years Mashiach. That's the period of time that God created the world. And he said "In this period is when I want you to do it, and you will do it, and you'll do the job. And every generation, from the beginning of time, even Adam, Achav, and Gan Eden, had they not eaten from the tree of knowledge, Moshiach would have come. It could have happened the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. It could have happened during its first base Bais There's the second Bais Amigdash. We didn't merit. We didn't do what we needed to do. We made our mistakes. So it's always dependent on the human being. And we're always hoping that we do We don't say, we're sitting back. Why are we here? We're here to sit and watch a film, a narrative that's not connected to us, And at 6,000 years end, here we are sitting. Okay, the sheikh has come. No, you and I are part of the story. We're part of the drama. And we impact it. So when we speak about speeding up, we're saying, yes, there's a period of time that God created existence. But that's like saying, I created a business. I'm giving it a certain deadline when I will finish, stop investing in it, so to speak. But now, do the job. Get the business going. So we're going to wait that business will become successful without us? No, that's your job, is to make it successful and profitable long before the deadline. Then there's a discussion, what happens after 6,000 years, which is not really relevant to this, this point here right now. Okay. Again, personal responsibility. That's what's demanded. Chavches, <laughs> this is said so clearly, the Rebbe, to it, do So analysis is good, we are smart people, we like to understand, but never at the expense of doing what you need to do. Okay. Let's move on. This page, this page. There's, there's another person writes regarding Koyach Nissen. Koyach, of course, also the power of Nissen, which is a month of Geula. Did you ever mention this before, Koyach Nissen? I read that after the Sikha, the Rebbe said on the 28th of Nissen, when she told the do all that you can to actually bring Mashiach Tzitkenu, the Rebbe asked his secretary, Rabbi Label Groner, what will be with the Sikha of Koyach Nissen? Label told the Rebbe that after the Rebbe left the base Medrash that day, that night, that evening when he spoke to Shicham, everyone sat down together, the Rabbonim and Mashpim, and broke their heads to understand what we need to do to bring Mashiach. The Rebbe smiled and said, go downstairs, bang on the table, and tell everyone there's no need to break your head. I said several times, you need to learn teda, be meticulous about doing mitzvahs, increase in Aviz Yisrael and Zdokah, and see to, to learn more on the topic of Mashiach and Gulah. Rabbi Groner responded, we've been doing that for decades. The rabbi said, apparently all these areas are lacking. The setting of times for Torah study is inadequate. Doing mitzvahs in a beautiful way is inadequate. And Avis Yisrael and are inadequate. And there's a need to increase the learning in Yoni Moshiach and Gula. Yes, I heard it at the time. Assuming this is exactly what the words were said and not passed on and maybe playing telephone, different uh, changes it's very consistent to what we're discussing. This is on the most basic level, the Rebbe is saying. Obviously, it doesn't negate if someone has initiatives that can go even further and help more people. This is on an individual level, like we spoke, about Maise Echot, Dibur Echot, One action, in what? In, tere, in Mitzvah, and And learning in Yol because that's the only way you can live with it. Like I explained with the dry cleaners or other examples, to understand what a means in your life and its importance. Not just importance. Its indispensability that you can't be complete without it. So that's what the Rebbe is saying. Apparently something's still missing. That's on the most basic level. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we cannot create the revolution even beyond that. Beyond our own mindsets. And that's in our influence and effect on others as I mentioned before. 70 years. A new energy to bring Mashiach. And this seems for the past 30 years or past 26 years since Gimel Tamuz, and 30 years since the Rebbe's words, ches in general there has been com- communal apathy about bringing Mashiach. But this year, 70 years since the Rebbe assumed and 71 years since the passing of the Friedrich Rebbe, there seems to be a new energy in the air and renewed communal urgency to speak about Mashiach. Have you noticed this? And what changed this year to bring about this new arousal of interest to in Um Yes, I think that there's an accumulative shift that are happening. And I'll just say my own thoughts on this matter. I think I've spoken about this. There are three main factors that happen with time. When you look at it on a social, sociological level. In this context, number one, time takes its toll. People are weary. I mean, we were inspired every day. The Rebbe's Vabrengans, Davening, Yom Tevim, Shoshani, Yom Kippur, Sukkis, Chastera. And it just gave energy. It was just a living, a living source of inspiration. And we don't have that right now. So it's taken us toll, and with time, people become, they're more sensitive and more vulnerable. I think that's one thing. Number two, aim biased. There's no home that's not been challenged in some way. So there's a certain lack of arrogance, or weakening of arrogance, and humility that has set in. And number three, there's a new generation. It's 30 years since Chof Nissen. The grass keeps growing. And a new generation in many ways is not jaded by the politics, by the doubts, by the weariness that the previous their parents and grandparents have experienced. I think all of that accumulatively, plus the fact that achsidim they want to do what the Rebbe wants. Whether they know exactly how to do it or not, we may be uh, a dirty awesome, an orphan generation, but they still want, and I think accumulatively, all of that coming together is creating inspiration that didn't exist earlier, or at least not to that extent people feel we need to finally do what the Nebbe wants us to do. So there's definitely a deep frustration, and I think accumulatively with more and more people having it, the type of collective frustration that leads, and I mean in a good way, that's leading to some openings and shifts in listening to each other, less locked into your own way, that's only one way to look at it. People are also warned by that, and have been, been very hurt. Drained by these disagreements that have end up not going nowhere. So that's my response, and I hope it translated, as I said, into personal responsibility, and speaking to each other, and doing everything we can in every possible way. What does increasing in acts of goodness and kindness mean in practical terms? Hi, Rabbi Jacobson. We were ha- we were having a conversation today with some girls. And a question came up that we are searching for answers to. We decided to send this email to a few people asking for your thoughts on this subject. We were discussing the Rebbe's message to the CNN reporter that Mashiach is ready to come now. It is only from our part to do something additional in the realm of goodness and kindness. Our question is, acts of goodness and kindness, how would we, quant- how, how would we quantify acts of goodness and kindness? in practical ways, that have meaning to the entire world. What are some practical things that the person on the street can do in the realm of goodness and kindness? We were discussing that we live in a world where people define good and kind in different ways. What is good and kind according to Teir and Thank you so much. Okay, well first of all, goodness and kindness, tzedek and yesher, or different words, tzedek and mishpat, last is tzedakah and mishpat, begins with very basic things. Let's start with tzedakah, charity, starting monetary charity, every day increasing and in giving charity to those that need. It could be an individual, it could be a cause. Charity could also be with giving your time, giving your advice, volunteering, that's a more basic level. Every act of kindness. Inviting a, a guest. Saying a kind word to someone. Especially someone in need. Helping children. Children often that are abandoned or children in some ways that are hurt. Special needs children. I mean the list goes on. Being generous. Kind. Being giving. Showing gratitude. And these are many of them are actual mitzvahs in the Torah. And of course, when you look at the Sheva Mitzvah's and translate it into the positive, that there's a God that we're accountable to. The Rebbe's words, moment of silence, an eye that he hears, an eye that sees, and an ear that hears. Accountability. That we should respect life and not in any way hurt life. Respect property and not take someone's property. Respect marriage, sexuality, intimacy. Respect wildlife, animals have systems of justice and law. These are all acts, overall, they're all about goodness and kindness. What's the opposite of goodness and kindness? Selfishness. Narcissism. Self-absorption. Hurting others just for your own benefit. I think pretty much anything that's not the opposite of goodness and kindness is goodness and kindness. That's on a very basic level. Okay. Out of all the things we can do to bring Mashiach, what is the most pressing of them? Can we prioritize mitzvahs in this way? Well, first of all, there are mitzvahs that are directly connected to bringing Gula, like Zokeh, Mekareves, Hesagul, There's other, Tzim, to Tebadah, V'shavah, B'tzdoqah. It's learning Torah It's Tzdoqah. Charity, as I just mentioned. There are mitzvahs that are directly connected. Avis Yisrael, avas Chinam, Loving others unconditionally. Counters, the Sinas Chinam, the wanton and un based hatred that people had. Meaning for no reason. By countering that with no reason, love for it counters that, which destroyed the of Amigdash, the second temple. And the list goes on. Specifically in context of 28th of Nisan, the two main things that the Rebbe spoke about following that day was learning in Yoni Gol Mashiach, not just to learn about it, but to become aware, so then you can live with it. And living by it. And that's increasing in acts of goodness and kindness. At home, at work, the street, in every possible way. That's the simple answer based on what we said before. Can, can we trick God into sending Mashiach? For example, if I say a bracha while holding a cup of water, and, have, and I have a mind that I'll finish drinking the cup of water in Israel after Mashiach comes, will God then send Mashiach to prevent me from making a bracha Vatalah? I've not heard of that method. I've not heard it. There's the story with Yisrael Ruzhner, when he was Rabbi Rizhiner, when he was a child. So he made a bracha and they gave him the apple. Once he made a bracha. So in concept, there's the concept like that. But since we had not hear the Rebbe saying such type of methods, tricks for sure are not the key here. The key is to doing what you need to do. If you said, that I want to make a bracha, I want to become aware of godliness in everything I do and so on, that is what the Rebbe told us we should do. I don't know if this method exactly is the way to go. But it's an interesting question. I would love to hear other people's input and feedback on that. Okay, another question regarding Mashiach's arrival. Hi, Rabbi Jacobson. I've recently discovered your weekly podcast and I've been hooked ever since. Thank you so much for your clear and insightful answers on such a wide range of important topics. My question is as follows. We have been taught by our Rebbe that we are in the time right before Mashiach, and Mashiach is waiting at the door. All that is needed the last, is the last few actions. I also remember learning in Jewish history class about the rise of Zionism and that religious Zionism believes that return to soul is a to the Gula, the beginning of the redemption. I know that this idea was rejected by our Rebbe, and I understand why. The proof being that the modern state of Israel has not, was not built on true values. I should add, and that Mashiach will be, the Mashiach will be the one that ushers in the way al should be Apitayra. However, in what way is this different than the attitude that has been implanted in us by the Rebbe, that Mashiach's immediate arrival is based on our actions now? I'm not sure what the question is. The difference is very clear. The Mashiach coming through our, our actions is what we've always been told. Hayem Ibakailitishmool. By following God's laws, by following God's instructions, our actions and our work, that is what Mashiach is totally in that. The establishment of the State of Israel, without going into the details of that, is not based, is not the. If you said that the Jews all committed, we're going to do everything possible to bring the gula through our teta and mitzvahs, is one thing. But the establishment of the state is not per se that. Furthermore, even if the establishment of the state was based on Torah and Mitzvahs, it's only Mashiach, only God that sends Mashiach. We can't do that on our own. The Rebbe did not say we are bringing Mashiach and we can force Mashiach's coming. What we can do is do what we need to do and Hashem will respond by sending the Geula. That's the difference. So number one, the actions are about Torah and Mitzvahs, not about other things. And number two, the actions lead to it. Direct result, cause and effect, as we've been discussing. Now, and also, I said that I would speak the second half of this program about when Mashiach comes. There's a whole bunch of questions. I'll just want to, i touch upon one or two of them, and I will continue this discussion next week. Why not? Mashiach comes, and obviously these questions maybe will be answered, but regardless, it's always good to discuss, so we'll just continue. Will everyone, when Mashiach comes, so I have a list of questions when Mashiach comes, a whole bunch of will, will, will. Will everyone know immediately? When Mashiach comes, will everyone know it immediately, or will only enlightened people know it? Based on the halachas, based on what we're told, Mashiach in its full sense, Vadai, Mashiach, everyone will know it because he's the sign of that is he's going to rebuild the third temple and he's going to gather all the Jews, all the exiles back there Eretz Sisrael. So that's not something you can really keep a secret. The enlightened people perhaps know, as the Rebbe did, and knows that we're at the threshold, and they see the, the, the signs. But even that, we've also been told. So that's the answer to that. Will we have time to pack our bags? I've heard that some people keep packed suitcase by their door, a packed suitcase by the door, so that when Mashiach comes, they can immediately be ready to go to Israel. While I feel this is a beautiful expression of a moon of faith, I also wonder if when Mashiach comes, won't he give us at least 10 minutes to throw a few pair of gotkis into a bag and head to the airport? Has the Rebbe ever discussed the idea of keeping a packed suitcase ready to go? So the interesting thing is, yes, there were people who did that. The point of Mashiach is not behavior that's reckless necessarily. The same time that we're told Mashiach any second, the Rebbe also said, we build moizdus. And permanent institutions. Not just rent, we buy, we purchase, we build. And he explained, the Friedrich Rebbe answered, so how is that consistent with Mashiach coming any second? Because, God says when we should travel, God says when we should rest. He's talking about the 42 journeys in the wilderness. They're all permanent, even if they rested one day. Because that's what God says. So while we're here, every second we have to build and do everything Based on the plans, that's why we can plan ahead and so on. At the same time, it seems like a paradox, but the Rebbe says that's what a Jew is, a, a walking paradox. We also believe immediately in Mashiach. So the immediacy does not in any way undermine behavior. You have to plan your children to go to school. Summer plans, other plans that we have. So say, one second, what's the faith? Mashiach comes every second. We should be standing by the door with packed bags. Both are necessary. The immediacy, but not in a way that undermines the present following the guidelines. We know we prepare for Shabbos. You see, Mashiach may come on Thursday or Friday. Why do I prepare for Shabbos? For the reason that I just said. Not because we're oblivious of Mashiach, but because that same Torah tells us to do both. So that's the answer to that. As I said, there are more questions, but we're going to need to stop here. I will just conclude with a connection to being that this week is also Bezi'er, Second of ear, the, the Rebbe Marash's birthday, and Hazria Mitseira. So briefly. Briefly. Bezir Khathilariber is <laughs> the Rebbe's famous statement that he would repeat from the Rebbe Marash. He would call the Rebbe Marash, his whole life was a Khathilariba. What's the Khathilariba if not Gulla? The Velzog Mikanishhthariba Mekanishhtadrunter Gateber. The world says, meaning the world, the behavior of the world. Behavior of Golas, the behavior of routine life, is that you first go below, and if that doesn't work, you go above. In the I say, Why wait? A go'ula dikha attitude does not go step by step. If it doesn't work in a very simple way, I'll then go in a much more broader, expansive way. Go'ula thinking is to go with an expansiveness. Knowing full well that Mashiach is going to come, and we need something to be done. And sometimes we have to think big. Think big doesn't always mean big in numbers. Big means also a shift. A qualitative big. It's one connection. So Gula is the ultimate Lachat Chileri. sazriya, Sazriah, the Rebbe explains, Isha ki V'yolda Isha is Knessus Yisrael, Malchus Eden, Neshamus. When they conceive and give birth, and what's born, Zakhar, that the Shir, Laos' love, will be a Shir Zakhar, a permanent song, which is ind- indicative by the word Zohar. So Sazriyeh is the birthing and the conceiving of the Geula. Metserah, which seems like the opposite, but the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Mashiach will be like a Metserah, assuming our pains, our transgressions. Because Mashiach is born out of the pain of Golos. So Metserah has the element, yes, of a negative element, but also that comes transformed and has the power to transform even the nos negative. Nega is the lowest thing. E'lematam and nega says the Sefer Yitzhida. There's nothing lower than leprosy than Mitzhida. And E'lemai l'ma Nega becomes oinig. Keset, atik, primis atik, the revelation of the Gula amitis Vashleim. Discussed more of this in, in, in episodes 111, 157, 206, 256, and 304. I want to give some cross-referencing to the general topic of Chav Ches Nissen. Episodes 64, 159, 162, 258, 294, and 305. And general topic of Mashiach, we're going to continue. I just want to conclude. 30 years. 30 years. It's a lifetime. Ha'i b'shleishem shana. Nissen. But... You and I are here and we have to look at ourselves and we talk to each other heart to heart to do everything possible. I, what can I tell you? I feel many ways, in a good healthy way, frustrated. I feel there's so much that could be done. I don't feel we've done everything, especially on a global scale. God blessed me with opportunities through Toward a Meaningful Life in other ways. And I feel there's so much that can be done. We have a big world of eight billion people. We have a wake up call, That unprecedented with COVID, and there's much to be done. So, if anyone has ideas, please share them with me. I'd be happy to share them with everyone. I have to be also partner in implementing because it's all about implementing. Hashem should help that the Rebbe's words, "Tivrit tzadikim kayomim laad," the words of a tzadik are forever. Rebbe's words thirty years ago yesterday should finally come to fruition in that you and I 10 whatever the numbers are we'll do everything we can and actually bring the curtain down on golos should to the Gula, vaShlema, immediately now and truly bring the full nachas to the ebrei to the rebbe to all the tzaddikim the Rabbeim, after the prices they've paid and done everything they could we're doing our part this has been my life cuz applied. supplied one uh, one extra one Additional effort in trying to do whatever we can to bring the geula. We're here every Sunday, eight to nine p.m. Please visit us at chassidusapplied.com for all the resources and previous episodes, and the ability to submit your question. This program is brought to you by My Life Chassidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at chassidahsupply.com slash donate.